Well, hello. Welcome to Leesburg Talk. Sitting around the table today, we've got Timmy. Yes, sir. Courtney. Hey. David. Hello. Matthew. Hello. And myself. And myself is John. Say hello, John. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I'm great. I'm making my calling an election sure. Fantastic. Well, before we get to that, this is the first podcast we've had in some time. We're quite excited about sitting around the table today. Um, Yeah. Hey, we're we're recording this on a very important day. It is. Why is that, John? Well, it's November 4th. Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. In in a future podcast. Yeah. Next week. Next week. Or maybe last week. (laughs) Anyway... Listen, we've got some cool stuff happening here. We've, got, Of course, the podcast is starting back up, and we're going to try to be more faithful with it moving forward in the future. But we've also got some really cool stuff happening in this month of November. Yes. Uh, Courtney, tell me about one of those cool things. One thing happening in November is we are doing Operation Christmas Child Boxes, and those are due on the 15th, and you can do them in two ways. You can pack your own box and bring it to the church, or you can go to SamaritansPurse.org and do one online. So you do a virtual box. Virtual box. Do they you use kind virtual of walk money? You through all the steps. No, you have to use your own cash monies. Oh, but it's virtual. I mean, it's electronic. Yeah. It's not real cash. You can monies. use your PayPal. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And so you pick items. Yeah, you go. They walk you through all the steps, and you pick an item, and then you get to see where it goes. You can send pictures of yourself to oh, add into cool. the box, and they'll track it for you, so you get to see where your kid goes. So that's probably the easiest, quickest, most convenient way to give to Operation Christmas Child this year. And then I guess you indicate on there that you do it in behalf of Leesburg Christian Church. Yeah, there's an option for you to like assign where you're from. So if we go to the Leesburg Facebook page, we can find a link to do that. Is that right? You sure can. Fantastic. You know what? I love. If you'd like to do it the old-fashioned way, we'll give you a box. Yeah, that's right. You can get a box in the foyer, bring it back by November the. 15th. That's right, folks. November the 15th. There you go. <laughs> What's the date again? November the 15th. That's good. You should start doing the service times like that on Sundays at 9 45. <laughs> and also 11 15. I, actually, that one, <laughs> oh, don't forget, 5 30. 30. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I sh- we should probably figure that out. <laughs> Maybe that's how you should do announcements, is you should just, you know, from the stage, have them call it back to you. Yes. Yeah. There you go. George George will do it. <laughs> George will do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, George. Um, you know, we've got another cool thing happening in the life of Leesburg, and that is because of Thanksgiving time. Every year we partner with the Harrison County uh, Food Pantry, and we collect an item each year to go toward their Thanksgiving or Christmas baskets. This year, our item is... Cookies. Cookies. Everybody likes cookies. Yeah, just try not to eat them before you bring them. That, that's right. Well, here, here's the thing. You have to buy at least two boxes, right? Mm-hmm. One to bring for them and then one for home. Yeah. Right. And so, now what kind of cookies can we bring? They need to be shelf-stable. And so I'm sorry? Pre-packaged, like Oreos or Nabisco. Don't make your own cookies and bring them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they need to be packaged. Packaged cookies. What did you call them? Shelf-stable. Shelf-stable. Is that weird? You never heard that. No. Oh, yeah. It's Listen, you're... It's a thing. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> Yikes. Don't put your... Don't make cookies and put them in a tin and bring them to the church. I, I, need, I need to explain, guys. I, I, I'm the type of person who, like, when it's like... It's November. It's starting to get cool. You know what that means? 
that means the porch becomes an extension of the of the refrigerator in my world, right? So I've got a limited vocabulary. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Hey, there is one other announcement, uh, and that is uh, if you um, come to Leesburg this week, you're going to notice that we have a really, really cool stage set up. That's true. You're gonna, you don't want to miss that, this. That's really, true. It's really going to be good. Starting this weekend, yes. we are uh, in a new sermon series called On the Hunt. On the Hunt. And who knows what we might be hunting for. Who knows? Who knows? Only the shadow knows. Yep. Speaking of those. David? David? Buddy, I got a question for you. Yes, I sir. know it's a shocker. Okay. Ask what you, away. What do you know? Uh, let's see. I know that sea otters hold hands while they sleep so that they don't drift apart. <laughs> wow. Right? That is just too precious. Sea Good otters cuddly. hold hands yep. so they don't drift apart. You know, that is a great segue to our conversation today. Because today we're talking about communion. And, and holding how, hands with Jesus. Well, how <laughs> communion can be an anchor to keep us from drifting away from Jesus. I planned it out that way. Yeah. You're so good. You're so good. <laughs> smooth. You put the ooh in smooth. <laughs> the ooh in smooth. I like it. You know, but on a serious note, we are talking today about communion. Um, uh, Sammy, start us off with this idea. Let's just start off with this question. What is communion? I like it. Good. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Sammy just turned into the I like turtles kid. <laughs> yeah. These crackers are delicious. <laughs> well, um, it's based on the final night of Jesus's life, really, when he spent time with the uh, inner disciples, the close ones to him in the upper room. And, uh, of course, they were celebrating the, the Passover meal, which is a Jewish feast, uh, to recognize their exodus out of Egypt and uh, slavery and their history. And uh, when death passed over because of the blood of the lamb that was put on a doorpost and so forth, a lintel above the door. And so that was a regular annual Jewish feast that took place. And it happened to be taking place right before Jesus was crucified. So he gathers with his 12 disciples in the upper room that we know of, and uh, he gave it a new meaning. And he said, uh, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. And uh, from now on, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're actually, um, it's going to symbolize my willingness to lay down my life for you. And uh, as often as you get together, I want you to remember this and take the cup and take the bread and um, realize that my body and my blood has been broken and poured out for you. That's in short. Well, that's a great summary. You know, there are, uh, so let's step back and look at it from a, let's say, pretend that I know nothing about our church. Uh, at Leesburg, we have two ordinances or uh, practices that we do on a regular basis, right? Correct. One of those is communion. Uh, the other is baptism, right? Correct. Um, and these are things that are instituted uh, early on in the church. Jesus instituted them and commanded this to followers to continue to do that so 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 we got a snapshot of what communion is historically and how it came to be in, in that regard so so i guess my second question then would be um who who takes communion i, I know growing up 
when I was introduced to the church growing up, there was always a little bit of debate. In fact, I got in quite a bit of trouble when I was a kid um, when in uh, late middle school, I guess, because I went in and I was kind of hungry and wanted a snack. Did y'all ever do this? Oh, yeah, all the time. And so, like, you, you find the communion room. And there's always in some of the historic churches, historic churches, there are uh, uh, little closets where it's dedicated to the communion, right? And so you go in and you kind of get some grape juice and some crackers. One of the big debates has always been, well, who takes communion? Uh, David, in student ministry world, in pandemic ministry world, mm-hmm. uh, what would you say to uh, when you're trying to figure out, well, who takes it and who doesn't? Well, you know, historically, as the as the church, we kind of follow the interpretation that says those who have been baptized uh, and received forgiveness for their sins are the ones who partake in communion as kind of that regular anchor reminder kind of a thing. Um, you know, one of the aspects uh, it, when it comes to kids that I think is interesting um, is it's one of those things. There are several in the Bible where uh, God asks his people to do something. And it is also a reminder not only to the people participating in it, but to those who are curious about it. Um, so, you know, if you're sitting next to a kid and, and they say, why, why do you get to take that and I don't? Or why do, why, why do we do this? It's a, it's a way um, to kind of open up that conversation with, with kids. So, um, so yeah. So the, so the tradition, let me rephrase, make sure I'm understanding right. The tradition in the Christian church, which is what we're part of, is that a baptized believer mm-hmm. partakes in communion. Yeah. Right? And the reason for that would be what, John? Well, the reason would that would that you can't participate in something uh, without understanding something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I think of Nia's twelve, Nora's six. A uh, couple, uh, maybe a year ago, maybe um, uh, Nia came to me and she's like, "Dad, Nora." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh no, and y'all probably experienced that before, right? Like, yeah. Say, yeah. oh no, is it gonna rot in their stomach and die? <laughs> you know, like, like eating a watermelon oh, seed, yeah. Like, when you're a kid, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So, 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 yeah, she got into the communion, um, but she wasn't really partaking in communion. Yeah, she was right? just eating, she was eating a cracker. Whatever, yeah. It's kind of like a baptism, for example, and we'll talk about that another day. But baptism, like, you can be baptized, but then you can be baptized. You know what I mean? Like you can uh, do it because you think you're supposed to, or you do it because you want a relationship with right. Christ. That's right. It's a lo- that's kind of the distinction there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now we do reserve it for like we we want to highly value that, right? The, the communion, um, b- because of what it is. But by the same token, we need to make some clarification here, though, because there's a lot of different takes on communion according to. Another- denominations and of course with catholicism which we probably ought to touch on a little bit there you go. but um <clears throat> you know we don't one of the things i want people to understand about our ministry and i like this about the independent christian church for the most part and i say that because not all independent christian churches are the same we do not practice closed communion we practice open communion and the and the the difference of that would be is we feel like it's Christ's supper, it's not ours. That's right. He does the inviting. So when people ask me about stuff, especially like with kids, I give them similar response because I'll get an I'll get a, a question. Well, my child is six. Should they be baptized? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're your child. They're they're morally responsible to you, and you're morally responsible to raise them to know this is. I can't. Nobody knows the heart of your child better than you. You're the one they're accountable to as honoring their parents just like you would honor God, right? 
So you have to you have to guide them in that decision. I'm not going to make that decision for you. I, I you know I wouldn't do that with baptism. I wouldn't do that with with communion even. Um, so I don't get freaked out if somebody allows us. For instance, if we have a special service at Easter or Christmas or something, and and they're wanting to teach, have a teaching moment with their kids, and they want to participate in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know, whatever. Yeah. I've never stopped anybody from taking communion. I've never told anybody they had to take it. Yeah. It's you it's don't his, spot it out of their hand. Yeah, we yeah. don't have bouncers at yeah. the end of each row. <laughs> it's you know, offered, yeah. <laughs> and we allow people to use. And we, it's kind of like with something we're going through right now as a world and as a country with COVID. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by telling you what you should and shouldn't do to to take care of yourself physically or spiritually. So, you know, it's, it's Christ's Supper. He does the inviting, and you're welcome to participate if you want. But, but there's some things that we try to remind people of, and this is important according to Scripture, and that is uh, we're supposed to be able to examine ourselves according to Paul's writing as well as others. And if we do it inappropriately or with wrong motive, it's, Paul says we, eat, we can eat and drink damnation to ourselves in an, by partaking in an unworthy way. So there's a warning there that it's needed to be approached reverently and discreetly uh, with right judgment um, and motive. But, you know, how do, you, how do I judge that in you? I can't. Yeah. That's something you've got to do personally. I think we have a responsibility to teach that, yeah. which we often do in our communion meditations and so forth. Yeah. Would you agree with that or not? Yeah, I think I think I do. I, I think that there might be a little bit of clarification that could go further. What would it mean to take communion inappropriately? Inappropriately? Yes. Like the, so, so Paul writes in First Corinthians what eleven uh, eleven ish about uh, about that, and he says you know make sure you're you examine your heart and uh, uh, you're you're doing it in a worthy manner. Well, what? So how, how do you do it in a worldly manner, and what is a, a an unworldly manner? Uh, does that make sense? I think that's one of the things. So when we look back at Paul in the first century church and how they practiced communion, it wasn't like we practice it today, right? So so that's one thing that could be pointed out. In, uh, in well, a, in that very passage, the the warning to the Corinthians was that when they got together to to partake of the Lord's Supper. Some of them were eating before anybody else ate and ate more, and there wasn't any left over, and some people were getting drunk instead of just drinking a little bit to remember. It got out of hand. Right, so, so it was much more of a meal than what yes, we, than what we partake to of today, right? Now. That's and correct. so there was neglect that was happening. Not everyone was given the opportunity to partake, mm-hmm. right? And so that's part of it. Some people were abusing it and just you know getting hammered. On the on the communion line, mm-hmm. uh, which is problematic, but the, so with that, then the the way that we can tell whether we're being appropriate or inappropriate is uh, is really to look at the purpose of communion. The the purpose of communion, as you alluded to earlier, is Jesus says, "Hey, this should remind you of of what I'm doing, right?" But then it should also so we look back to what Christ did on on the cross. But we also look in and we say, well, am I living in a worldly manner? I call myself a, a Christian, which means a little Christ. Am I living in such a way that reflects appropriately the name of Christ? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, that, I think that's probably the biggest way that we could be inappropriate in our taking of communion mm-hmm. today. Does that make sense? Yeah. In, in your roles, I'm curious. I'd like to hear everybody's input. Uh, 
In your all's uh, experience, what are some of the things that drive you a little nutty about communion, and what are some of the things that you really like about it? Are you following along with me on that a little bit? Is there anything about it that, like, do you have is when you is there a red flag that you go, ooh, that that just doesn't seem right or that doesn't fit anybody? Let let me can I give you an example? Yeah. Okay. One one of the examples that I that I've always been, it's been a stickler for me through the years is that. It seems to be the New Testament precedent that whenever it was offered, it's offered to everybody. I mean, the whole group does it. And here's why I say that. There's a, I, I grew up in churches and even ministered in a few churches early on that if you missed communion on Sunday morning, then we had this section Sunday night where yeah. if you, <laughs> you walk forward at this time, if yeah. you weren't here, yeah. And you take communion and you'll be served down front and four or five people would come down front and then they would be served and everybody else is sitting there watching. I don't think that was the intent of the Lord's <laughs> Supper. And don't you dare take it on a Tuesday. Yeah, you got to yeah. do it on a yeah. Sunday. Couldn't do it on a Tuesday. So, Saturday night's but, okay. But that was Ma always Monday a stickler. Thursday is all right. That was always stickler for me. It really grated on me. And it, I, I didn't have the fortitude, I guess, to uh, buck that tradition early on in my ministry. But... I would today because I feel like if it's offered, everybody ought to have the opportunity. I'm not saying they have to do it, but everybody ought to have the opportunity to do it because I think you're kind of missing the point. You're making it a ritual or a habitual thing rather than part of your relationship with Christ, right? Yeah. So that's like whenever we have an offer, we don't offer it to just certain, okay, if you haven't been in church in six months, this is for you, you know, that kind of thing. It's offered to everybody. So do you all have anything like that? Does anything like that bother you? I think one of the, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it bothers me or if I just think it's funny that, like, sometimes, like, churches get in this funk of, like, certain people can serve communion. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a big deal. And they all have to sit together and stand up at the same time. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, a whole ritual to it. And I'm like, like, why does it have to be the same guys every week? And yep. do they have to be elders? Do they have to be like, Deacons, do they have to be guys? Do they have to be yeah. guys? Like they used to drive me I know. stinking nuts when it was only guys and the only requirement was to be a male. And I'm thinking, well, shouldn't you examine your hearts? Maybe, maybe the, maybe your anatomy isn't as important as you think it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never got that one either. That was always confusing There's to me. Well, to say that, I'm you sure, know, that whatever. is a leftover priestly mentality. Yeah, from That's right. You know, from, from Old Testament and even Roman Catholicism. It's an Catholics. Old Testament, yeah. It's a priestly mentality where you have people that are worthy, supposedly, yeah. serving. But, you know, it's just like everything else. It, it has to do with the recipient, not the server. Well, yeah. that's the thing. It's a server. Like if someone's passing communion, they're serving. Communion. They're serving biblically. Yeah. They they served. They were served, right? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't. You know, we we often a lot of churches look at it as a leadership position, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a leadership position. You're passing a plate, right? You know? <laughs> it has like, nothing to do with authority or no. anything else. Yeah. There was an old lady that was. Uh, she was 82 when she was when we were in high school and she was the coolest youth sponsor ever but she you know she'd jump off cliffs with us when we were you know down in Grayson and, and all this kind of stuff but she had a funny line when it comes to uh communion where you know there's something about well we can't let women pass uh communion 
And she said, well, I pass communion to my husband every Sunday, you know, because she gets it from the right side and passes it on to her. You know, so yeah, I, yeah. I pass it every Sunday. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really long and hard to listen to communion meditations. Yeah. Like where they have, they use the same passage every time, you know, you have like the God same. God made him who had no sin become sin so we might become the righteousness of God. Thanks, Courtney. <laughs> that one is really quick. I can sit through it. But... I will say this. I think I know exactly who Courtney's talking about because I used, I used to work at a church that we both. Well, like the same poem every time to end your, me- or like uh, the just the thought process that they have to start from scratch to get everybody ready for communion. Like the message didn't do any of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's totally separate. Yeah, totally yeah. separate. Yeah, they have like their set passages that they go to, and there's only four of them, so you hear them once a month. And yeah, my favorites were poems at the end of the passage. Yeah, we had an elder growing up that said, and my friend Kelly and I quoted his prayer every week. Oh yeah, isn't that amazing? He that said the exact same prayer every me. week, and we would sit there and quote it with him. That's not that crazy, though. I Come cannot, on, guys. No, it is. I cannot remember. The Book I of Psalms is a, a bunch prayer. of prayers that were recited r- routinely but throughout church history. This is made history. up by a man, I know. And, well, and there's 150 of those. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, at least you can do three years. a little variance. <laughs> well, I'm not going to apologize. Every just because you you have something you say to First Corinthians, God made him who had no sin because since we might become the righteous of God. <laughs> Whatever. So I, John Welsh, am unrighteous, but because of him, I'm made righteous. I am made righteous. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so we've talked about what is communion and who should take it and some history of it. Um, Here's a cool part. Yeah. You want me to give you another cool part? Go. Uh, when the Christians first started this practice of communion, they were accused of being cannibalistic. You, you know a little bit about that, don't you? Yeah, I know all about cannibalistic tendencies. But it's true. They did because Jesus said, eat my body or eat my flesh and drink my blood. John chapter 6. I've even read things in the history of vampires. I'm not kidding on this. I've read history of vampires, and they will claim that the first century Christians were actually some of the first vampires, quote, that led into the mythology of the vampire How about movement. that? Isn't it crazy? John chapter 6, Jesus is talking in one of his major discourses there, and he is talking to a large group of disciples. Now, these disciples had started to follow Jesus because of the miraculous <laughs> works that he had done. Yeah. Right? He had gone into the temple. He had kind of you know, caused a little bit of a ruckus in the temple. He goes out from the temple, and shortly thereafter, he starts healing people, and, hey, take up your mat and walk, and and causing some ruckus because it was a Sabbath, and he tells this guy to get up and walk on the Sabbath. And it's worse. So, so all these people start to flock to Jesus because, I mean, hundreds of, you know, we often think about Jesus' disciples and we think about the 12, right? The top 12. Um, but really, hundreds of people are following Jesus. And in John chapter 6, Jesus starts to address the crowd a- after he had fed 5,000 of them uh, and, and then got, you know, walked across the water to the other side over in Capernaum. And, and so he's over in Capernaum the next day, and the crowd wakes up, you know, they're like, hey, where's Jesus? Oh, I saw him. You know, his disciples left. Maybe maybe we should go. So they go over to Capernaum to track him down. So hundreds of people have followed Jesus from across the lake. And here they are. And Jesus says, hey, guys, uh, glad you can make it today. Um, I'll tell you what. Let me just tell you a little bit about who I am. I'm the bread of life. If you want to go to the Father, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And guess what his disciples did? They all left. They said, this dude is <laughs> 
exits. It did say a lot of them exited. Yeah, That's yeah. when they quit following, of, and they're yeah. like, "Hey, he's insane." Which is kind of awesome because you think about, <laughs> you think about um, Jesus growing a ministry, like <laughs> <laughs> multiply by going backwards. Yeah, additions by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so yeah, Jesus says, "Hey, guys, look here's here's the thing. I'm the bread of life. If you if you eat from me, you'll never hunger again." This, you know, and you can't be my disciple. Here's the thing: you can't, can't be, be my, my disciple, disciple unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And with that, everyone turned away. And we often like to read that today, and we say, "Well, of, of course, you, you know, like how silly! Like they're talking to Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh. How silly and short-sighted of them to turn around and walk away." But here's an honest question: How many of us would say, mm, "We're gonna keep following you"? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you heard it for the first time from the guy who instituted it, and it was foreign to you. What I think is really awesome, seriously, listen, go and read John chapter 6. One of the things I think is really neat, after that, the the crowds turn turn around and start to walk away, and and then Jesus looks at his 12 disciples, and he says, what about you guys? Are you guys going to walk away too? And you remember what Peter said to him? Yeah, I do. So like where where else where else are we going to go? go? Yeah. Where else to whom go? to whom else would we go? And I love that because Peter doesn't address the weirdness of what Jesus just said. Yeah. I mean, basically, and I'm inferring a little bit, but Peter's like, I don't get Jesus. I don't get you. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand all you're saying about this eat your flesh, drink your blood thing. And I'm pretty sure I don't want to sign up for that. However, there's not many better but, options. Out there. <laughs> but when I look at what you've said and what you've done. Yeah. I've got to walk forward and trust with you. Where else am I going to go? When you think you think about it, he part of the reason with that too is that they had the the relationship with this guy. You know, it wasn't just they're following some religious leader and following his ritualistic stuff. They had a relationship, and so the relationship is what it fell back on. Um, And maybe that's you know applicable to us too. When when the the nuts and bolts of what's coming down the road doesn't quite make sense to us. We have the relationship and that's what we can fall back on. Even when some of the stuff that which we, has to do with trust. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I really don't think Jesus' disciples understood what he was talking about when he said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Cause Jesus doesn't explain it. Right. And, and they didn't realize he was going to die. There's a lot of point. stuff they didn't understand. But they didn't get it, but they said, okay, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but, but I trust I'm going to move forward in faith. And then, you know, in two years, they're sitting around the, at the Last Supper. And Jesus said, you know, hey, guys, you see this bread every time you eat of this? Remember, this bread represents my body. And I'm not going to eat this meal again with you. Mm-hmm. This is the last time we're going to eat this meal together. And I, every time you eat this meal, I want you to remember that this is my body that's 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 broken for you. Mm-hmm. And when supper was over, he took the cup and he blessed it and gave thanks. And he said, guys, when you drink of this cup, remember that this cup is my blood. And at that point... I think Peter's head's going ding, 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 ding. I remember what he said. He said, back in Capernaum, Jesus said that he's the bread of life. Mm. And now he's saying, this is this is my body. And in this ordinance, in this communion time, what we've, what's become our communion time, it's a, it's a place for us to connect with the bread of life, the, 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 the source of life for us today. Sure. And that's the application for us today. It's where we come into fr- in, into co- contact again with the source of life, which should and could and can propel us to new living every day. 
And unfortunately, like everything good that Jesus gave us for our benefit, we mess it up. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in a church that believed that communion was a covenant, a seven-day covenant relationship. Have you ever heard that teaching? I don't know if I have. It's a seven-day covenant, and if you didn't take every seven days on the first day of the week, you broke the covenant. You oh. had to re-repent of your sins. I'm, I'm serious. This was how I grew up, and our church believed this. Huh. And you had to somehow... That's why it was offered on Sunday nights yeah. mm -hmm. for if wow. you missed on Sunday morning. So you had to come and take, and they actually would leave it on the table all day with the church doors open. Yep. And if you wanted to come by yourself, because you couldn't break that seven-day covenant. Yeah. You can get really bent out of shape over all the intention of this real quick. Yeah. And, of course, we know that um, uh, the Roman Catholics go in a whole different direction. It has to be served by certain people, and you can't touch it. And in the Roman Catholic tradition, it is no longer bread and wine. It's a doctrine it is, of transubstantiation, yeah. and it becomes the actual physical body and blood of Christ once you partake of it in your system. Once it's blessed. Once it's blessed, that's true. Yeah, once it's blessed. Because yeah. if they drop a piece of it, yeah, then there's have, a whole ritual they to, have to go pick up it. that piece. Yeah, that's right. Um, but that's for maybe another podcast. We've got just one minute left. Uh, Sammy, you, you mentioned this covenant thing, the seven-day covenant relationship. Must I take communion every every seven days? I think we do it as often as we get together for the purpose of worship. I think yeah. that, I think we ought to have it offered. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think you can take it multiple times. Right? And, and again, even getting back to the elements themselves, I you know, it, it, does it have to be bread and does it have to be juice or wine or whatever? Yeah, you know, there's some people who believe it has to be wine that's right, because yeah. that's what they were yeah. drinking. Some people say that has nothing to do with it. My opinion is the elements are irrelevant. I had uh, a youth outing years ago when we went on a retreat and we forgot the communion. And we actually used uh, potato chips and some kind of a grape Mountain soda. Dude. I think we had grape shasta or something back go. then. And we used... we <laughs> used, Fago. Yeah, Fago. <laughs> something back in the day. And, uh, and, I, and I used it as a teaching moment to teach that it's not about the content of what's in this. It's about what it means to you when you partake. It's just like, you know, anybody can dunk you underwater in a swimming pool, but that doesn't mean you're being baptized, right? Yeah. That, that, you know what I'm saying? It's what the intention the of intention it is it. for the recipient. The, the only caveat there that we should all agree on is it should not be. It should not be actual flesh and blood. <laughs> yeah. We can all agree on that one. Please don't do that. <laughs> don't eat your friends. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. So with that being said, uh, thank you, listener, for tuning in today. And I hope we have covered some content that's beneficial for uh, when you ask the question, what is this communion time uh, all about? I hope this has been beneficial to you. Uh, and until next time, God bless, take care, and we'll see you next week. See you. Bye. Bye. Peace.